Book One of Economics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Economics by Aristotle. Translated by Edward Forster. Chapter One. The sciences of politics and economics differ not only as widely as a household and a city, the subject matter with which they severally deal, but also in the fact that the science of politics involves a number of rulers, whereas the sphere of economics is a monarchy. Now, certain of the arts fall into subdivisions, and it does not pertain to the same art to manufacture and to use the article manufactured for instance, a lyre or pipes. But the function of political science is both to constitute a city in the beginning, and also, when it has come into being, to make a right use of it. It is clear, therefore, that it must be the function of economic science, too, both to found a household, and also to make use of it. Now, a city is an aggregate made up of households, and land, and property, possessing in itself the means to a happy life. This is clear from the fact that, if men cannot attain this end, the community is dissolved. Further, it is for this end that they associate together, and that, for the sake of which any particular thing exists, and has come into being, is its essence. It is evident, therefore, that economics is prior in origin to politics, for its function is prior, since a household is part of a city. We must therefore examine economics and see what its function is. Chapter 2. The component parts of a household are man and property, but since the nature of any given thing is most quickly seen by taking its smallest parts, this would apply also to a household. So, according to Hesiod, it would be necessary that there should be, first and foremost, a house, then a wife. For the former is the first condition of subsistence, the latter is the proper possession of all free men. We should have, therefore, as a part of economics to make proper rules for the association of husband and wife, and this involves providing what sort of a woman she ought to be. In regard to property, the first care is that which comes naturally. Now, in the course of nature, the art of agriculture is prior, and next come those arts which extract the products of the earth, mining and the like. Agriculture ranks first because of its justice, for it does not take anything away from men, either with their consent, as do retail trading and the mercenary arts, or against their will, as do the warlike arts. Further, agriculture is natural, for by nature all derive their sustenance from their mother, and so men derive it from the earth. In addition to this, it also conduces greatly to bravery, for it does not make men's bodies unserviceable, as do the illiberal arts, but it renders them able to lead an open-air life, and work hard. Furthermore, it makes them adventurous against the foe, for husbandmen are the only citizens whose property lies outside the fortifications. Chapter 3 as regards the human part of the household, the first care is concerning a wife, for a common life is above all things natural to the female and to the male, 
for we have elsewhere laid down the principle that nature aims at producing many such forms of association just as also it produces the various kinds of animals but it is impossible for the female to accomplish this without the male or the male without the female so that their common life has necessarily arisen now in the other animals this intercourse is not based on reason but depends on the amount of natural instinct which they possess and is entirely for the purpose of procreation but in the civilized and more intelligent animals the bond of unity is more perfect for in them we see more mutual help and goodwill and cooperation above all in the case of man because the female and the male cooperate to ensure not merely existence but a good life and the production of children is not only a way of serving nature but also of securing a real advantage for the trouble which parents bestow upon their helpless children when they are themselves vigorous is repaid to them in old age when they are helpless by their children who are then in their full vigour at the same time also nature thus periodically provides for the perpetuation of mankind as a species since she cannot do so individually thus the nature both of the man and of the woman has been preordained by the will of heaven to live a common life for they are distinguished in that the powers which they possess are not applicable to purposes in all cases identical but in some respects their functions are opposed to one another though they all tend to the same end for nature has made the one sex stronger the other weaker that the latter through fear may be the more cautious while the former by its courage is better able to ward off attacks and that the one may acquire possessions outside the house the other preserve those within in the performance of work she made one sex able to lead a sedentary life and not strong enough to endure exposure the other less adapted for quiet pursuits but well constituted for outdoor activities and in relation to offspring she has made both share in the procreation of children but each render its peculiar service towards them the woman by nurturing the man by educating them chapter four first then there are certain laws to be observed towards a wife including the avoidance of doing her any wrong for thus a man is less likely himself to be wronged this is inculcated by the general law as the pythagoreans say that one least of all should injure a wife as being a suppliant and seated at the hearth now wrong inflicted by a husband is the formation of connections outside his own house as regards sexual intercourse a man ought not to accustom himself not to need it at all nor to be unable to rest when it is lacking but so as to be content with or without it the saying of hesiod is a good one a man should marry a maiden that habits discreet he may teach her for dissimilarity of habits tends more than anything to destroy affection as regards adornment husband and wife ought not to approach one another with false affection in their person any more than in their manners for if the society of husband and wife requires such embellishment it is no better than play-acting on the tragic stage chapter five of possessions that which is the best and the worthiest subject of economics comes first and is most essential i mean man it is necessary therefore first to provide oneself with good slaves now slaves are of two kinds 
the overseer and the worker and since we see that methods of education produce a certain character in the young it is necessary when one has procured slaves to bring up carefully those to whom the higher duties are to be entrusted the intercourse of a master with his slaves should be such as not either to allow them to be insolent or to irritate them to the higher class of slaves he ought to give some share of honour and to the workers abundance of nourishment and since the drinking of wine makes even free men insolent and many nations even of free men abstain therefrom the carthaginians for instance when they are on military service it is clear that wine ought never to be given to slaves or at any rate very seldom three things make up the life of a slave work punishment and food to give them food but no punishment and no work makes them insolent and that they should have work and punishment but no food is tyrannical and destroys their efficiency it remains therefore to give them work and sufficient food for it is impossible to rule over slaves without offering rewards and a slave's reward is his food and just as all other men become worse when they get no advantage by being better and there are no rewards for virtue and punishments for vice so also is it with slaves therefore we must take careful notice and bestow or withhold everything whether food or clothing or leisure or punishments according to merit in word indeed following the practice adopted by physicians in the matter of medicine remembering at the same time that food is not medicine because it must be given continually the slave who is best suited for his work is the kind that is neither too cowardly nor too courageous slaves who have either of these characteristics are injurious to their owners those who are too cowardly lack endurance while the high-spirited are not easy to control all ought to have a definite end in view for it is just and beneficial to offer slaves their freedom as a prize for they are willing to work when a prize is set before them and a limit of time is defined one ought to bind slaves to one's service by the pledges of wife and children and not to have many persons of the same race in a household as is the case in a city one ought to provide sacrifices and pleasures more for the sake of slaves than for freemen for in the case of the former there are present more of the reasons why such things have been instituted chapter six the economist ought to possess four qualities in relation to wealth he ought to be able to acquire it and to guard it otherwise there is no advantage in acquiring it but it is a case of drawing water with a sieve or the proverbial jar with a hole in it further he ought to be able to order his possessions aright and make a proper use of them for it is for these purposes that we require wealth the various kinds of property ought to be distinguished and those which are productive ought to be more numerous than the unproductive and the sources of income ought to be so distributed that they may not run a risk with all their possessions at the same time for the preservation of wealth it is best to follow both the persian and the laconian methods the attic system of economy is also useful for they sell their produce and buy what they want and thus there is not the need of a storehouse in the smaller establishments the persian system was that everything should be organized and that the master should superintend everything personally 
as dio said of dionysius for no one looks after the property of others as well as he looks after his own so that as far as possible a man ought to attend to everything himself the sayings of the persian and the libyan may not come amiss the former of whom when asked what was the best thing to fatten a horse replied his master's eye while the libyan when asked what was the best manure answered the landowner's footprints some things should be attended to by the master others by his wife according to the sphere allotted to each in the economy of the household inspections need only be made occasionally in small establishments but should be frequent where overseers are employed for perfect imitation is impossible unless a good example is set especially when trust is delegated to others for unless the master is careful it is impossible for his overseers to be careful and since it is good for the formation of character and useful in the interests of economy masters ought to rise earlier than their slaves and retire to rest later and a house should never be left unguarded any more than a city and when anything needs doing it ought not to be left undone whether it be day or night there are occasions when a master should rise while it is still night for this helps to make a man healthy and wealthy and wise on small estates the attic system of disposing of the produce is a useful one but on large estates where a distinction is made between yearly and monthly expenditure and likewise between the daily and the occasional use of household appliances such matters must be entrusted to overseers furthermore a periodical inspection should be made in order to ascertain what is still existing and what is lacking the house must be arranged both with a view to one's possessions and for the health and well-being of its inhabitants by possessions i mean the consideration of what is suitable for produce and clothing and in the case of produce what is suitable for dry and what for moist produce and amongst other possessions what is suitable for property whether animate or inanimate for slaves and freemen women and men strangers and citizens with a view to well-being and health the house ought to be airy in summer and sunny in winter this would be best secured if it faces north and is not as wide as it is long in large establishments a man who is no use for other purposes seems to be usefully employed as a doorkeeper to safeguard what is brought into and out of the house for the ready use of household appliances the laconian method is a good one for everything ought to have its own proper place and so be ready for use and not required to be searched for end of book one recording in memory of mitchell edwards